just begin at the bottom. It's like a man building a house, you have to build a foundation before you build the walls. Father John. So you, have, you have to take them stages. Father John. Stages? Yes, son. You try a book in the right? Yes, probably. And it wouldn't happen. It's fall. No, full or not, right? You know what I mean? I don't know. I wouldn't say full or not. We certainly. No, uh, Father John. If he had his rent, if he had nine pounds eighty pence. Yeah, it's full. Full. I got my rent. That might be it. He's got. I mean, it's full. He's full. Yeah. This time of the year. Yes, yes, for that. No, 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 no. He's got enough for three days. I know, but it has to be for that to pay the nine pounds eighty. But he has the money, but it's still full up tonight. There's for three full night, For three full. For three days. Father John. Now they're not booking in for three days anymore. There are too many people looking for places, and most people are staying here and being happy enough, and they don't move out too quick. Of 300 people per where day. Where are you from, Father? County Cavan, in Ireland. No, Ca no, where are you from in England? I mean, uh, oh, no, I come from County Cavan in Ireland, and I live here. I live in the hostel. You live in the hostel? No, no, that's Father John, by the way. Uh, where's your parish? Hey, no, this no, is my Leon, parish. Leon, Father John. <laughs> no, talk to no, him. No, no, wait yeah. a minute, wait a minute. I'll tell you, Father John. Never see a man wrong, never do nothing. No, I appreciate it. You wouldn't it, do I'm nothing against a man that was wrong. Well, I wouldn't do it to you. Um, uh, no, 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 fair play. No, we're, we're talking sense now. I'm, yeah. a, I'm a Catholic man myself, but I mean, uh, that's immaterial anyway. No, you're wondering where, you were wearing, wondering where the parish is. Well, I don't have a parish as such. I just work full time in this work for homeless people. Uh, sometimes successful, more often than not a failure, but we're, work, man, we're working at it. The man is doing his best he can. But uh, I mean, I know where Dean Street is, and uh, I certainly have taken fellas there all hours of the day and night. And I'd be glad to take you up there in a few moments. But uh, I've laid those keys back in for the driver of the van, and I'm right oh. back out, okay? Yeah, Thank you very much. Okay. Yeah. What's your first name? Leon. Leon. Good. Hello. Thanks. Yeah, one after one. Okay, son, I'll be back in a minute. Yeah, back in a moment. I'll tell you, see that man? Oh. He's I'll a good you. man, I think, is he? He's a great man. If you can do his best to help you, Father John. Yo, Leon, listen. Hey, come here. Come here. You. What about me? Hey, don't I admire him. And it's because of the encouragement and the support that, you know, he has given us that we would even want to continue doing the work. There are times when it's difficult and of course, it's an unrewarding task. You do so much to try and help them, and you just don't know where to go next. But he has what it takes. He has the discernment to know who to help and who not to interfere with, to be kind to, to be helpful to. And that's the bit that, you know, where we need the guidance and the support as we go along. We're all aware that it's the fact that they are lonely. They want um, contact with people. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they do. But certainly for Father as a priest, for me as a nun, we're very conscious that um, Christ is the one who, for whom we are working. And we do try to tell them in a very simple way that God loves them, he cares, we are his hands and, you know, there to do his job. And if there is anything that can be done in this world, um, Father John will do it. He can't be out um, seven nights a week, even though he often is. But we know exactly how to get in touch with him. And he is on the spot. He's on a 24-hour call. If you go on the soup run, it's always Father John. 
they, you can give them all the social workers in the world, but it's Father John they want. They want him because he's good to them, he loves them and cares for them. Uh, well, each night we start off from Vauxhall, where the Marmite Night Shelter is located. We have about eight gallons of soup with us. Either we make it ourselves from beans, um, oxtail soup, other goods that we have received from Heinz Foods, uh, or else every second night roughly, that's Monday, Wednesday and Friday night, we have the soup ready-made from St. John's Wood Hospital. Uh, we set off from Vauxhall to Waterloo Station and in an archway adjacent to the station the chaps are expecting us there about midnight. We meet about uh, 20 to 30 uh, chaps there. Sometimes one or two ladies come along. We know the ladies, they're older ones. Very occasionally some young people arrive in, maybe from Glasgow or from maybe from Ireland, but mostly the Scottish kids and they come down for some soup and chat about. We see what we can do for those and uh, maybe can place them in an emergency accommodation for that night or advise them where to go the following day. Some, the first night or two they come, well, they're very self-sufficient and independent and, you know, it's a big joke at this stage, but sometimes after about a week it's not so funny at all and there's no money and there's nothing happening and they are a bit lost and they would perhaps take advice. With a letter from Tom Campbell and a B1, you will get your voucher and your money and you're booked in. That gets you over this week. You can do all the casuals you name next week and you need never go back to Scarborough Street again, but it does get you over the first hurdle. Having finished Waterloo Station, place to whom we can, advise to whom we can, have had at least a yarn and a bit of bit of um, serious or nonsensical talk with them anyways, uh, we have related them as best we can and uh, their lives are enriched and we've learned a few lessons ourselves and we pass on then to cross the river to Temple Gardens area and on the footpath there and adjacent to the Howard Hotel which is there as well, we find quite a number, maybe 20 uh, sleeping on the footpath in carpet boxes, plastic bags and other forms of protection. It struck me that that is a very good area compared with the others. Oh, definitely. But you see, there's not too many people there being interfered with. There's not, there are very few local residents in that area except hotel dwellers. And they come and go, they mightn't notice this at all. But there are no static population there at all and there's no objections from the local residents because there isn't any local residents. It's all office buildings and uh, classy, classy, as you were saying, yes. I mean, you expect to meet the Dan Nats under the arches at Waterloo Bridge, uh, Waterloo Station. Yes. But uh, Temple surprised me, I must say. Yes. Well, you see, it's convenient. Uh, they are convenient to the various stations around where they can perhaps do a bit of busking during the day, get some money, where they can do a bit of begging during the day. Uh, they're convenient to the West End for perhaps getting a casual in some of the local cafes and restaurants during the day. So uh, they're not far from opportunity when they're there. And uh, they're seldom if ever interfered with by the police because it just happens the Temple area is one of the last outposts in the Bow Street police area. And it is just across, uh, a few yards away from Temple, the City of London police come to there who are much stricter with people. So it happens to be just a... Just on the demarcation line. Absolutely, yeah. 
so they get away with it there in a way they might not elsewhere. But that wasn't a bad little red car, you know. Oh, it is quite satisfactory, really. It's just mm. that this is better than that you can make it into yeah. the van, and we collected some food with it tonight. Yeah, well, it's a good idea, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. So that's nice, Dan. Yeah. And uh, how is the soup tonight? Is it okay? Oh, it's lovely, John. It's it lovely. Really, yeah. Mm. Because we, you know, we just um, I collected it earlier in St John's Wood and oh, uh, brought it on down here. You know. Yeah, it's lovely, John. It's yeah. lovely, John. Great. I'll park the car actually and uh, see how things are. Yeah. Are you staying? Uh, where are you staying tonight? Well, nowhere actually. Ah, oh, gee. We just walked around like. Gosh, you had been someplace recently, had you? Hey? You hadn't been in the Marmots for some time, no, I know I've that. No, I've been at my sister's, you know, staying ah. here for Christmas. Like, I was here for yeah. a fortnight here. Gosh. Mm. She can't put, up, put me up because it's a council house, you see. Oh, ah, yeah. Too many you can stay as a guest for a day or two, but you certainly can't stay no, continuously. No, forever, no. No, no. God. Still, I suppose we get somewhere in time. And why not go back to the Marmite? Been thinking about it. I mean, you know... I'm not suggesting tonight, I mean, tonight's well out, well gone, but yeah. if you I mean if you went back on the Monday night mm, there, yeah. the alternative I should suggest to you is to go to Charing Cross Yeah. any morning, Yeah. I won't, well, not so much on a, a Saturday or yeah, Sunday, yeah. but any weekday, yeah. and see Mr. Campbell Mr. at about nine o'clock in the morning. Because mm. uh, Mr. Campbell, in fact, would give you a letter of introduction to take to Scarborough Street. Yeah. Where you could claim social security and get your yeah. get your uh, money, mm. you know, mm. and then you get a voucher to cover the cost of your accommodation, and everything. Not for Charing Cross, but it would be at the Marmite, wouldn't it? Where? It would be at the Marmite. It wouldn't be for Charing Cross Hospital, right? Uh, no, you can do the same thing at Charing Cross, yeah, but yeah. you check in and Charing Cross mm. always in the morning. Yeah, I see. Yeah. Whereas in the Marmite, you check in always in the evening. Mm. But, uh, and then for Marmite, you get your money from Mar Marshalsea Road. That's right, like I used to. Down yes, that, exactly. Down Whereas uh, for Charing Cross, you get your money in Scarborough Street. Mm. Yeah, it's a good idea, yeah. yeah. And I'll park the car, I'll say hello to Michael. This is Michael coming up here. Yeah. Okay? Yeah, all right. Okay, Stan. Yeah. Mike, how are you? Well, 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 well. You have moved out of the little niche above. He was dragged out. Why? Well, literally dragged out by feet. By whom? By by not by her. The mean thing. By this. Wouldn't this you thing. Really nice young lady. Call you out. Yes. Nice young lady here. She came up and dragged me out by feet. And brought you on down there. Why? So that. I could. So sorry. Father John could see, see you. me walking straight. He actually walks straight. <laughs> this fellow actually can walk. <laughs> we need yes. a bit more practice of that. Yes. <laughs> it takes a bit of doing, mind you, but he <laughs> <laughs> finally made it. <laughs> You're an awful canad. What about Larry? Is he up there tonight? Well, actually, no. Actually, I haven't seen her since this morning. That's not true. No, yesterday morning. I can't remember. Having Where seen her. Well, well, I, well, well, uh, <laughs> well, that's something similar, isn't it? Well, it's I can't remember when I left her. <laughs> you weren't drinking today, actually. Oh, not today yet. Come on. <laughs> not today yet, but prospects are not looking very good just now, but. Nah. Some hot whiskey. Would you like some hot whiskey? Hot whiskey would come in very handy. Now, uh, I suggested that Father John would take him somewhere in the car. 
one of these days. Who? You. You. You, you got take you somewhere. In the car. Where do you want to go? What for? You tell me what for. Just for a run in the country. No, no, not at all. Oh, you don't want to get me cleaned up. <laughs> you don't want to get cleaned up. No, I'll get myself well, cleaned. Me I'll get myself cleaned up. Where? One of these days. When I've got more time and more money and more patience. What do we do with you at all, Mike? Yeah, I don't know. And what did Father Pat tell you on Tuesday night? Father Pat? That that horrible soup came from St. John's Oh my goodness, what don't tell me about that soup. Tuesday night, was Tuesday it not, not up to the mark? Oh, that was definitely not up to this. That was not playing cricket, old chap. What, what kind of soup was I was I was still in Ireland at the time, you know. What kind of soup was it? It was, it was vegetable soup, but the, they had sickened it up and then sent it down and then they had to re-sicken the stuff with flour again. <laughs> oh, you say, oh. You say, I'm patting the cheek to say. I give it St. John's Wood. But what did you say? <laughs> I said, that is not St. John's Wood soup. They do not put flour You are a connoisseur of soup. Yeah. I am a connoisseur. Absolutely. And I'm going to have some more soup. <laughs> Good for you, Mike. <laughs> right to you. <laughs> oh, From the temple area, and we go up to another rather classy looking area in the front, but round the back it's very plain. Uh, the Strand Palace Hotel would be top class accommodation, but uh, around the back they have an underground furnace uh, with plenty of heat emerging from the grill there. And we find anything from 6 to 15 people or so uh, there. They're clinging onto the grills or sleeping on the footpath close by. Um, all they can comfortably stay there would be about a half dozen people, but a few others maybe jostle for position during the night. And uh, We call on them anyways. We get there about 2 o'clock at the latest and uh, give them whatever soup or bread or whatever we have to share. And uh, I'm a bit uh, sleeping rough. In, in Canada, they used to ride the freight trains over there and hobo and all that there. And I thought it was the same sort of a life that you live here. But here the trains are all together different here. And, uh, I don't get no pension from the Army, although I was all through the war, World War II. I was in the Philippine Islands, in Honolulu, Hawaii. I was in Manila. And uh, I was in British New Guinea and Dutch New Guinea. I had a fairly good war record. But I suppose a lot of other boys that didn't come back at all and lost their families and everything else. I was a bit fortunate that way. What age are you now, James? I'm 62 now. It's 62 a, last, last, last June, June the 17th. It's a bad age to start sleeping out, isn't it? Yeah, it is, yes. Do you, you don't uh, seem to have any resentment or any uh, no, bitterness about it. I'm fairly fit for my age, you know, if you can call 60 an old age. But... Uh, over in Canada, I used to sleep a red bit up. The life in Canada, riding the freight trains, is not altogether different than here, you know. And the boys used to get the jungles together. We call the jungles that we're cooking up and that there. And they used to leave, leave a lot of food for, 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 the, for the other ones, to, you know, to help themselves to. These are the hobos. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's what they call them, a hobo. And sometime I'll go back to Canada House. And I think they're going to try to help me to go back home again.
from the Strand Palace, behind the Strand Palace Hotel, we move on then down to Fleet Street, and there are similar grills coming from the um, offices of one of the newspapers there, and uh, one of the uh, printing presses. And uh, the chaps are clinging on to the grills or sleeping on the footpaths, and a few of them are quite comfortably seated uh, on milk crates turned upside down and very reasonably comfortable anyway. Um, although there might be 10 people there, any more than two or three is all that would take anything from us. Most of them seem to be reasonably contented and are sound asleep. They don't wake up. This place I dislike most. Why? You know, the degradation of it all, just to see them standing there and holding on to try and get some sleep. And they stand all night? They're most of the night, because we've come back, you know, in the early hours and they're still standing, but they do hold on to the railings. The one awful experience we had, and I wasn't long coming out, was that one man was so cold, he sat here and put his feet up on the railing and didn't realise that he was getting burnt. And by the time we came along, there was a massive blister. I had to pull him away from the railing. But we took him down, Father John was there that night, and we took him down to um, the hospital. And they were very good. This is the one place where you see, you know, dosing at its worst. And these little plastic houses, there are people inside those, are there? They make them themselves. They're just plastic coverings. Oh yes, there's people inside. But they do keep very warm in them. And often they're awake, you know, at this time, but it's just too much trouble to pull yourself out, have something to eat or drink, and put yourself back in again. Because, you know, you see them, trying to ease their way out and then ease their way back in again. So once you're woken up, I'd say it's difficult to get back to sleep. Do the police move the man at all? They do. This is the awful thing. Only once did we see it happen, and I certainly wouldn't like to see it happen too often. And recently I saw the road sweepers do the same, and it is a dreadful thing to watch. You know, they're half asleep and it's a question of move, get out. Granted, if they moved quietly and when the road is swept, they go back again, then there will always be one or two that will create trouble and then the police arrive. So this is the way it works. That um, elderly man has been here for the length of time, that one down at the end, has been here for all the time that I've been coming. And, you know, we kind of, we get to know them each week. It, sometimes it's the same one, sometimes it's not. But um, the police lift them and realize they're doing them a favor by taking them in and giving them an opportunity to get brushed up and cleaned up. And they do look much better when they come back. But it's the very fact of they having to be inside they just don't like. Although we call it a soup run, uh, the fact is that food is the least important part of our exercise. Uh, its relationship to the men being known to them, being known by them, and uh, all the possibilities that can have for the lads, the welfare, that's more important to us, and I think it's far more important to them. And we have watched other agencies, and uh, it is certainly my impression as an individual watching um, that they, they, they have more things to offer. Now, one little group 
bring hot drinking chocolate on a Friday night and have lovely well-packed sandwiches and so on. But really and truly, they have little or no relationship at all to the men, and they don't know many of them, and they're not, they just take whatever's going the men do, and they have no real relationship with those people at all. And uh, even some of other agencies, the same sort of feature. We feel that whatever we have, we have most of all to offer ourselves, and we can chat with them and listen to them and enjoy their humour and their, uh, even their optimism. It's something quite fascinating to find their courtesy and their optimism being something really memorable. I was very impressed by the courtesy of, of nearly all of them. Uh, you get the loudmouth who uh, mm. curses and blinds, but mm. uh, the majority of them speak very civilly indeed to you. Yes, I'm I'm quite amazed by it myself. And all of our first night volunteers, including yourself, have noticed that. But it, it never ceases to amaze me, uh, because they're some of these people are in that predicament since I came to London in October '75, and um, I've seen faces then that I still see at night. I would have thought resentment would have been strong among them at having to take charity. Uh, well, it it could be, but they they are so used to it in one way. But uh, we try to take the edge of offering charity. The word share is something that I've often used, and I've often times heard it back uh, that we share with them what we have, uh, rather than we offer it to them. Um, the fact that our stuff sometimes is something that we have to apologise for. We don't have shirts, we don't have socks all the time. And when a chap asks for a pair of socks, he may, may be effing blind that we haven't got what he wants uh, momentarily. And we assure him and say, well, where do I get the price of them? We can't buy the things, we haven't got that sort of funds. And anyway, I don't owe him a living. And so I'm very often we get quite a good healthy conversation following our very need creates an opportunity for relating in a human way to the chap and let him know that, well, the stuff doesn't grow on the on the bushes. And uh, sometimes it's a lesson that they dearly need to learn. Uh, I remember some incidents of one chap in particular one night, he asked me for a shirt and for shoes and for clothes and for all sorts of things. And uh, I said, you know, you've just asked me for about £150 worth of stuff. And he was quite bemused to think of it put that way. But when we analysed it, that is literally what he had done. Um, so that to be always having everything would be patronising. It would be like the spoiled child in the millionaire's house. Uh, and I don't think that is any good for the humanity of the person involved. Uh, so I don't apologise for being, in, uh, being short. Uh, after Fleet Street, we move then to Lincoln's Inn Fields. Again, a very classy area, surrounded by rather elegant buildings and whatnot. Uh, but the park of the fleet, uh, the Lincoln Gardens there and fields, uh, full of seats and a few shelters as well, so the people on the wet day can slip in out of the rain if it happens to come on suddenly. Uh, in the summertime, the numbers can rise in that little spot to about uh, over a hundred people. But at this time of the year, it's way down. It's down to about. 40, 50 people perhaps. Uh, the late hour of our arrival there of course means that not all that many take that soup from us. I mean the other night, like Friday night when we were out, there was only about three or four people took any soup at all and there was amongst them one man, we, we just made some sort of human contact with him, was very grateful for a bit of attention and it was more the attention that impressed him than the soup and we 
gave him the option of what to do to kind of sort himself out and a few things of that and he was shaking hands with everybody in the team and we went off rather merrily from there but um, in the summertime we can be quite busy there we might issue maybe 20-30 cups of soup maybe more maybe that was easily the coldest spot we came oh, out oh it was and, just um, amongst the trees there yeah. temperature was well below freezing when we were there at about 3 o'clock in the morning it certainly was it really was we're glad to get out of there and very little shelter indeed well, amongst the trees there, when the leaves are on the, in the summertime, you see there's quite a lot of shelter, uh, you know. But at this time of the year, you just have bleak uh, trees, no leaves, no nothing, the wind blowing round in the place. And the shelter in the middle, I mean, it's open-ended on both ends, so the wind just blows right through it. If it happened to be a wet night, of course, at least the people in there wouldn't be getting wet, which is a merciful thing, but it's not much protection, indeed. Indeed, the soundest sleeper that night was sleeping outside. Yes. <laughs> we were just noticing and passing how, where was the drone coming from? <laughs> yeah, he was sleeping good, though. Uh, we certainly didn't offer him any soup. Actually, if we find someone who is asleep and contented, it's no service to them to waken them up. And, uh, you know, it'd be no point in it. Not at all. No, he was sound asleep. They don't know I'm a nun. I don't tell them I am, but I would never hide my identity. Um, they know now that I am. Most people, and I don't know why, say, oh, we know, or we guessed. Uh, the other girl is with me, Karen. She's not a nun. She's not a Catholic, and she's been coming for years, you know, and... As a voluntary worker. As a voluntary worker. So that, you know, we all... They respect us as women. And I think it does them good to see young girls coming along, you know, nicely dressed up for the occasion. And it gives them an idea of just what life is about and what they could aim at. Um, even when they find out that I am a nun, they still say, oh, you know, um, won't you come and stay with us? And it's our opportunity to say to them, OK, provided you have somewhere to take me. What's happened? What's gone wrong? And in that way, it starts the whole conversation. And it is possible, you know, to help some of them at least to move from the street into a hostel or from the hostel into sharing 
uh, room with two or three others. We've seen people improve. We've seen people get worse. The most traditional gathering point in London, I'm sure, for years has been the embankment station area because uh, that area for Sleeping Rock is covered over by the Hungerford Bridge, the railway bridge leading to Charing Cross Station. Um, in 1976, the fall, the beginning of the year there, they, they really started moving everybody on from that area. Because when I came in October 75, there was 100 to 120 people sleeping under that bridge every night of the week. And uh, the police took a, a very stern line with them from the beginning of 1976 and by summertime of 76 there was nobody except one or two people who might just be walking about but they would not let them settle they just kept moving them on moving them on if they wouldn't go on voluntarily they would arrest them for obstructing the police or for vagrancy or something else but uh, the result is now uh, that that whole area got cleared and they moved on into temple gardens area which we had visited earlier of course in the night but a lot of them moved on down to Temple Gardens that time of course Temple Gardens were open un, uh, unfenced and people could sleep there in large numbers but now that it has been fenced the numbers again have decreased and people are just sleeping on the footpath or in little doorways as mentioned uh, in talking earlier There were a couple of women among them in, on the embankment that night There were indeed well, they're there for quite some time. Certainly one of them, poor Sylvia. Sylvia's been there for a very long time. And, we, and she's a mysterious creature, poor thing. She, she's obviously foreign English accent. Uh, she's a foreigner, but she will not uh, talk coherently. We just cannot make out why she's there and what's the reason. We've never seen her drunk or any of that. And she's getting more and more distressed and more and more dilapidated and needs a bath in the worst way and uh, I mean she's gets clustered up with clothing several coats on her and several capes and scratches all the time scratches all the time she desperately needs to be taken to um, a cleansing station and deloused and reclothed and all the rest of it but um, she's courageous enough in her way I've never heard her complaining yet it's just that uh, she lives in a little world all her own and she doesn't relate to anybody really but she's well known in her circuit. She can be courteous enough and she has a great habit of saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. She goes, only this you say all the time. Uh, but if you ask her a question, she talks about some other topics. She doesn't want to be questioned at all. Are you cold tonight? No, I'm not. No, I'm not cold. You don't feel the cold, huh? No. You're a great woman. Excuse me, sir. I got this. That's right. I got this around the, the face. Yes, indeed. It's nice and warm. Good. It is, yeah. Yes, but well, you like the soup anyway, it warms you up a little Thank bit you, anyway. Sir. Good, Thank good. Nice. I'm glad. I just wanted to say hello to you anyway, isn't that? Thank you very much. Good girl. Sir. Now, Thank you, there's sir. another man here with a stick, I must say hello yeah. to him. Okay? Yes, sir. Right, very good. Have you got a cigarette, Marvin? Oh, yeah. I didn't see it for a long time. Marvin. What sort of stuff is it, Marvin? Trouble, eh? What is it again? Trouble. Trouble. I haven't seen it for a long Sister time. Marie. Somebody tell me you were opening no, up. Sorry, oh, yeah, he's got something, yeah. Right. Somebody tell me you were opening up. Not at all. No, no, no. Uh, Sister Marie told me, in fact, that you had been down to see her and that you stayed one or two nights. Yeah. But um, you, she, you came first on one night and she hadn't this. And then you came yeah. some other night and she was able to put you yeah. up all right. Yes. Yeah. So, um, how are you getting on at the moment? I'm making down for uh, coma next week. Are you really? Yeah. Oh, God bless you. That's fine. Well, I mean, how are you enjoying the cold? My goodness me, it's cold out tonight. It is cold out, Father, but 
heavy. It's really frosty. Yeah. Oh, God. Do you think a little snug? Well, I mean, it can do anything tonight. It's really cold enough. But I, I think yeah. that the worst of the weather is probably the worst uh, frost is past. Like, I mean, I hope it is anyway. Yes. Yeah. When were you last in Providence Row? That's it. I mean, it was been long before Christmas. I sent you that. <coughs> yes. To sometime, I think, in November. Yeah. yeah. Do you want some more soup? Yeah. Yeah. I'll fetch another little drop of soup over, okay? Just show, yeah. you cup, show us the cup and I'll bring it over to you. Yeah, somebody told me Father was having an awful lot of food. And I'd mm. never seen him for ages. I was inquiring about him, you know, because he's very kind. He comes round and he. He is, he's a good man. He sees them, you know, and he gives them a bag. And yeah. He goes for the soup and that for them, and yeah. he gets some few things. You know, he's a very nice man, Father. I've known him a long time. Well, about a year, anyway, you know. It And who are you? I'm a friend of his from Ireland. I'm just over for a visit. Yeah. Came out with them tonight. Yeah. What do you think of those captain? It's hard life, isn't it? Yeah. Especially in this weather. Oh, he wants to take them too. Do you sleep much during the night? Uh, I sleep. <coughs> <coughs> like you to sleep much during the day. Well, can you sleep with the cold? Yes. I got plenty of clothes. I sound like it. Have you got any shoes on in the van? Shoes. Sh shoes. I can give you these. They're a good pair, but they're a bit small, and I wanted to exchange them. That was all. Yeah. I haven't got them. It doesn't matter, Father. What yeah. size do you take? I take a good six or a seven. These are a six, but they're a bit small. But they're uh, nice shoes. I could ride them over, you know. So. But if I have any at all, Father, bring them down to you another night. Yeah. All right? Yeah. Well, on Friday morning, it was up about 8.30. Got washed and looked after. Prayers. I left Mass over because there's a nun in a local convent whose dad had died and I promised to say Mass for them, for the dead and with the sisters. However, before going there, I had to collect some cups. Esso in London are very good to us. They give us some plastic cups uh, from time to time and I collected those then got on, had mass with the sisters in Providence Row um, Refuge. Uh, they had lunch for me afterwards, of course. Uh, when I returned from there, um, I was supposed to uh, meet yourself at three o'clock, but the day took a different turn because there was a girl on the phone threatening to commit suicide and very depressed, and uh, she was actually back at Providence Row. So Father Pat McGrath, who's working with me in this work now, and I, we went back together and um, I knew her better than Father Pat did, so I had a chat with her and uh, must say things settled down pre reasonably well. So I got back to the hostel here then about four o'clock, just in time to uh, take a chap to the hospital who has bronchial trouble. And um, when he told me he had a doctor, it tra transpired it was the same doctor as I have myself, Dr Healy in Seven Sisters Road. And um, I just took him to the doctor. Um, I couldn't really get him to go at first because he said, oh, I'm comfortable now. And someone had, his mates had given him a drop of whiskey and he was very much uh, under the influence. And with great difficulty, I got him. I said, if you don't come with me, I'll have to get you an ambulance. I had to threaten him in the end. 
he was keeping people awake at night and it was causing a lot of bother. So I took him to the doctor. The doctor gave him a prescription, some medihaler to clear his um, chest and some antibiotics to deal with a bit of a cold which he had as well. Took him back down here to the uh, hostel again after the doctor and got him back into bed. Um, I was supposed to see some friends that evening um, at 7 o'clock. Um, it, by this stage it was 5 minutes to 7. And before I got away, I said I'll ring them. And as I was ringing, a chap walked in who had uh, was hobbling along, one shoe on one foot and a plaster cast on the other foot. Uh, we couldn't keep him in the hostel. It was overfull as it was. He was a pensioner and he had some money. So I took him up to Bruce House, which is uh, a hostel for all sorts of people uh, who can pay £1.30 £1 per night and uh, got him around there. Uh, then I got setting off for Mitcham where my friends were. We had a lovely meal down there and relaxed a while. And about five minutes to ten, it was time to be off again. Uh, so I had two hours with them and then off again to uh, St John's Wood Hospital where um, Sister Myra and her staff had arranged to make the soup for me for the night. Uh, three times a week they make the soup there and it's lovely vegetable soup and they have plenty of stock from the bones and the hospital has plenty of food and they're glad to do this for us uh, every second day roughly, uh, Monday, Wednesday and Friday nights. Uh, Sister Myra herself comes on a Friday night with me on the soup run so I took her along as well and we got back just about five minutes to midnight with fresh soup and Sister Myra and uh, the team all got together, looked after the soup and uh, during the evening a message was left for me that there was a supply of leftovers at Islington Town Hall from the Mayor of Islington's reception, uh, which was that night. And um, once I got the super organised, I left off and reached there about 25 past 12. And uh, we got uh, quite a supply of potatoes and meat and um, quite lovely food, really, uh, pieces of chicken and everything. So the lads in the street had a bountiful night. Um, the team were quite effective so I didn't stay with them all the time but there was a few people who were able to help we took um, two youngish men who are too young for St Mungo services to the West End Reception Centre and uh, in Dean Street up in Soho so uh, they were comfortable for the night out of the terrible cold it was a very very cold night um, Sister Myra however did need a lift home after the end of the night and uh, when all things were done, I left you back to the hotel and then I come back and left Sister Myra home. Uh, I got to bed at just about half past six in the morning, uh, having said a few prayers, and I was glad of the rest, I can assure you. the mass in the shell in the hostel here on Sundays at a quarter past six each Sunday evening uh, there is a little chapel which is part of the original structure this being a hospital for many years uh, there's a little chapel right in the basement of the hostel 
uh, access was a bit difficult and perhaps that's holding people back. We're hoping to get an, an outside entrance to it, uh, which would give people the opportunity to come into Mass without being heckled by their mates or friends, about being holier than thou or something. Uh, at the moment, there's only about six, maybe even less, never more than ten people really at that Mass. And uh, it's a bit disappointing, but I think at this stage we're just planting the seeds for the future and hoping that the Lord will do his own fruitful and propagation of the faith in his own good time. The last thing we can do on the super, and of course, would be uh, to be Goran preaching to these people and, and uh, socking the gospel to them and uh, that's no answer to their needs at all uh, but there's a number of things one can do and that is you know a chap who asks what on earth makes you do this thing you see and you can have to say to him well the quotation from scripture is as long as you do it to one of these even the least of my disciples you do it to me uh, the numbers of Catholics would be very high but they have by the time they reach the level of life in the hostel and certainly even further down at the shelter and the street level uh, they have already lost everything else including a sense of worship in their lives and to join a congregation for prayer is certainly very much alien to their way of life Have you seen the